Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and let's go to our scripture. We're continuing our greatest hits of Redeemer, uh, where I'm pulling uh, five or six sermons from the 450 that I've preached so far. Uh, this is one I preached from a sermon series called, Will the Real Jesus Stand Up? And it's a sermon series on the book of Colossians, and it was delivered nine years ago. Uh, so um, somebody asked for this one, so I'm going to be preaching on Colossians 3. 1 through 11. I'm actually going to be preaching more on 5 through 11, but I'm going to read the whole passage 1 through 11. So here we go, Colossians 3. Uh, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is God's word. Well, you may think of me as a nice, genteel, mild-mannered pastor, And for the most part, that is true. However, there is in me a side that comes out that is not, uh, that is somewhat scary, frankly. It's it's an incredible Hulk, uh, like a Bruce Banner, minus the large green size. And I'm not proud of that side, but nonetheless, it uh, it factors into this discussion. So I want to share with you a a, uh, example of when the Incredible Hulk came out. Uh, We were... uh, driving through, the kids were younger. Keep in mind, this illustration was nine years ago. Our kids were smaller. We were heading to a lacrosse match. And um, we stopped into the Wendy's to get fast food. And uh, when you have four kids and you're getting fast food, it's, it's, it's quite an experience uh, in, a, in a contained space like a minivan. So we're rushing to get to the game. We stop, we get Wendy's. You know, they give you the, the large bags and Ingo... Your hands, as your wife is, you know, if you're driving and, and she's distributing the food out, so forth, and, you know, I, I get my burger and I'm trying to drive out as she's distributing the food, and we hit a speed bump, a little speed bump. Maybe I take it a bit fast, maybe. And uh, lo and behold, you know, one of the drinks spills, so now you've got even more chaos. And uh, my wife is trying to manage all this, and, and as she's in kid mode, She sees me eating while I'm driving and basically reaches over to grab my burger to say, you can eat that later. Now, this is a very dangerous thing to grab a burger from a grown man. And before I can even stop, there's this monster that rears up and grabs my burger and holds onto it. No one shall take my food. No one shall take it from me. And it's like a monster reared up from inside of me. Now, everybody's laughing at this because you can relate to it. Who is this beast inside of us that comes out at the most inopportune of moments? 
right? You're driving along and somebody uh, goes in front of you. You're minding your own business and they cut you off. And all of a sudden you go from zero to blood boiling, angry, ready to uh, knock this person, uh, knock the teeth out of this person, drive them off the road simply because of their bad driving. Who of us Men in particular can't relate that you're walking along and you see this billboard with a supposedly innocuous picture of a woman. And your, your mind is suddenly transported to a place that you don't want to go, that you don't expect that you would go. And you're thinking thoughts that you know that you shouldn't think, particularly as someone who claims the name of Jesus Christ. We can all relate to our kids somehow pushing a button that we didn't know exists, that we're we're just uh, all of a sudden become and are transformed into this person that we hate, that we don't want to become, but just like that. And we wonder, where did that come from? And we're left with this feeling, there's something wrong with me, that I'm defective in some way, that my Christianity clearly hasn't taken hold, that this is all a lie because who would act, who would think like this? And it leads to discouragement in our life, in our relationships, in our faith. What is that? We're all familiar with the curious case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll, of course, being this mild-mannered chemist who went about his life, but there was lurking inside of him, and all he needed was a potion to bring it out. Mr. Hyde, an evil man who delighted and enjoyed evil. See, the reality is there is a Mr. Hyde in all of us. Notice in verse 5 it says, to put to death that which is earthly in you. There is something or someone inside of us, an enemy. And the question of this sermon is simply this, how do we deal with the enemy within? Because it's only after we've dealt with the enemy within that we can live rightly. What if we could tie up Mr. Hyde? What if we could throw him in the trunk? What if we could rem render him impotent? That he would no longer well up inside of us at the most inopportune moments, squeezing our joy, squeezing out our obedience to Christ. What if when that car cut us off that we could respond, not with anger and bitterness and rage, but rather with grace, with contentment and with peace? in the midst of insults, in the midst of trying circumstances, if we could live a victorious Christian life. What this passage, of course, is saying is that we can. Because by saying that we can, uh, the, giving the command to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, he's saying that it's possible. And I want to suggest to you that it is simple, but not easy. The point of this entire sermon can be summed up in one sentence, that we will have victory over sin when we choose to serve Christ over self. Again, we will have victory over sin when we choose to serve Christ over self. Well, we're going to break that down. We're going to look at three specific points. Number one, who is this Mr. Hyde? We need to have a better sense of the enemy within. Point number two, why is it so hard to kill him? Why does he continue to come back again and again? And finally, number three, how to render him powerless. Well, let's look at point number one. Who is Mr. Hyde? 
Colossians 3, 1 and 4 started out this passage. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Powerful image, powerful passage that we've been raised with Christ. Indeed, 2 Corinthians 5.18 puts it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so Paul has given us uh, giving us these indicatives of what is true about us. And he moves on to the imperative. Therefore, verse 5, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Verse 9 puts it this way. Do not lie to yourself since you have taken off your old self with its practices. We have to ask the question, wait a second, Paul. If you said that I'm a new creation in Christ and I've been raised with Christ, why is it that I have to put to death whatever belongs to my earthly nature? Why do I have to rid myself of such things? It seems like you're talking out of two sides of your mouth. There's only one answer for which we can understand what Paul is saying. That there are two aspects of me. One which has been redeemed and one which has not. The first aspect of me, the aspect that has been redeemed, we will call the human heart or the human spirit. Ezekiel 36, 26 prophesies that this is what will happen when we come to Christ, that I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So I think we, uh, we have a, a picture, uh, not, not quite yet actually, but there is the second part of me, an earthly nature that has not been redeemed actually. The Bible has many names for it. It's called the sinful nature in the New International Version. It's called my flesh. It's called the members of my body. It's a part of me that continues to stubbornly resist God's will, even as a Christian. And there is a battle between these two parts of me, my heart and my flesh. Paul sums it up best, I think, in Romans 7, 15 through 20. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now, we've got to translate that a little bit, and I actually have a little picture that I have here. The Eastern religions would say, would give the picture of the yin and the yang, that there are these two equal and diametrically opposed elements of a person, light and darkness. But that isn't 
correct. That isn't Christianity. It's not what this passage is saying. A better way to think about that is that there is an inner part of me, which is represented by that circle in the inside, and there's an outer part of me. Notice how Paul puts it. So I find this law at work when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another work at law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And so we see Paul in his inner being delights to do in God's will, wants to serve God, and yet the outer him pushes against him. 2 Corinthians 4.16 uh, reinforces this image. Though we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so each one of us, if you are a follower of Christ, the inner you, your heart, and your spirit is that which Christ has resurrected. That is the new creation that you are, that you are alive in Christ at the core of who you are. But there is this outer me, the outer shell, which is the functioning me. It's me interacting with the world. It's me speaking. It's me willing. It's me acting. It's my flesh, if you will. The outer me translates how I am on the inside out into the world. And it's still broken. See, the inner me is resurrected. When Christ comes again, there is no part of my inner spirit that will have to be resurrected. It's already resurrected. It's already alive in Christ. But the outer me, my fallen will, mind, and emotions is broken. The inner me is alive to Christ, but the outer me is dead in sin. The inner me loves God, but the outer me rebels against God. And you may say, that's not me. But we are one person and we must own the reality that there is a part of us, something within us that is broken. So why is the Christian life so hard? It's because we are at war with ourselves. Heard the story of a guy that underwent an operation and all seemed like it go, uh, went well. But he came back to see the surgeon a couple of uh, weeks later and he said, I have some problems. I'm hoping you can sort this out for me. And so the doctor said, well, what are the problems? He said, well, the first thing is I'm always thirsty. Can't seem to get enough hydration. And the second is I'm not going to the bathroom. I'm not urinating anymore. So the doctor said, well, let's take a look. And so, the, you know, they pulled out the x-rays and all the different scanners to try to figure out and look inside and they ran the test and then the doctor came back to the person and he says well you have a problem we left several sponges in you when we were doing the operation you see the problem is in you but the problem is not you in the same way in our spirit we are free and resurrected but in our body there dwells sin. See, to defeat him, 
Mr. Hyde, we must understand who he is. Many of us live defeated Christian lives. Like that, we have these issues, these hot buttons, that Mr. Hyde has a stranglehold on us, whether it's anger issues, whether it's pornography issues, whether it's covetousness issues, whatever it is. And it causes us to ask the question, am I a Christian? Well, the question I have to ask you is, do you care? Do you care that it bothers you? Does it bring sorrow and sadness into your life? Do you earnestly wish for freedom and deliverance from Mr. Hyde? Because if you do, that's a picture that shows you that you are a Christian. Because your inner being is longing to be conformed to the character of Christ. It shows that there has been a change, a resurrection in your heart. This is more an issue of dealing with the outer me, of understanding Mr. Hyde. And so the first step we must do is we must acknowledge it. We must acknowledge that there is a problem within us that isn't us, but nonetheless is with us. When we snap at our kids, when we're angry, when we're lustful, when we're critical, we should not be surprised. We should not be defeated. We should not be befuddled, but we should be aware. We must acknowledge that's Mr. Hyde in my flesh coming out, that there's a battle because the evil one will communicate to you, you see, you don't love Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Look at the way you live. Our enemy is cunning. But the first step to seeing ourselves aright is understanding at the core you are not Mr. Hyde. But Mr. Hyde is a part of who you are. Now this brings me to my second point. Why is it so hard to kill Mr. Hyde? Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And what are these things that are earthly in you? He lists two different categories. One is sensuality, things of sensuality. And he lists in verse 5, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. And this flows into materialism, in which he says greed, which is idolatry. At the core, greed, by the way, is the same thing as sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. It's just put on something else. It's put on money, and it's put on possessions. That's why often, as people grow older, they shift their lustful desires, and they move them into materialism and greed. But it's the same thing. It's just shifted to a different, uh, a different desire. We must put to death, therefore, what is earthly in us. And then it goes on, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. The second category, these sinful attitudes of the mind. Anger, rage, malice. Notice they get worse and worse. And they boil over into speech. Slander, obscene language, lying goes on and on. Why is it so hard to kill Mr. Hyde, which we are commanded to do? See, you can't reform him. can't reason with him. You can't even transform him. 
Rather, verse 5 says, you must put him to death, which literally means regard him as dead. Verse 7 and 8, you must rid yourself of all such things. The literal translation would be, you must put him into prison. And then finally, verse 9, you have taken off the old self and put on the new self. It literally refers to taking off clothes that you were wearing and putting on new clothes. So if we're commanded to, and if it's possible to lock up Mr. Hyde, why don't we? Because the inner man is the heart, but the outer man has the muscle. See, the outer man is stronger in regards to conduct than the inner man. Think about it like this. If there was an invasion of a country, if there was a war and one country invaded another, what's the first thing they would try to do? They want to seize the communications. They want to break down the ability of the enemy to communicate with one another. And then they're going to go seize the physical plant. They're going to go seize the infrastructure so that that, so that, that country cannot function. See, the outer me is my mind. It's my will. It's my emotions. It's the communication center. It's the infrastructure. It's how I function. And that's where Mr. Hyde is dwelling. And so in a way, we are trapped in our bodies. What is inside in our hearts cannot get out. Notice in how Paul puts it, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. He's really talking about the mind. He's talking about the heart and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that is at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? How many times have you gone into this battle trying to beat Mr. Hyde, who lives in the outer man? I'm not going to do that, you say to Mr. Hyde. And Mr. Hyde says, oh, yes, you are. You say, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. And he knows he has the upper hand, for he controls the faculties. And so we find ourselves, as Christians, a prisoner of our own body. I don't so know if you saw this news story in Sky News. This was November 23rd. A man trapped in his body for decades could hear everything. An engineering student thought to be in a coma for 23 years was actually conscious the entire time it has emerged. Rob Hoban was misdiagnosed after, as being in a vegetative state after a car crash left him totally paralyzed. But in actuality, he was trapped in his own body the whole time with no way of letting friends and family know he could hear every word that they were saying. It was only when Stephen Lorries, a doctor and researcher at the University of Liege, scanned Hoban's brain and discovered it was still working, although his body was paralyzed, that doctors began to realize he may be conscious. The 46-year-old now after three years of intense therapy, can tap out computerized messages and read books on a device above his hospital bed, has revealed, I screamed, but there was nothing to hear. All that time, I literally dreamed of a better life. Frustration is too small a word to describe what I felt, and I shall never forget the day when they discovered what was truly wrong with me. 
It was my second birth. I want to read, talk with my friends via the computer, and enjoy life now. People know that I am not dead. Think of how many hours we have spent as Christians trying to reform the outer man. How many offensives we've mounted. How many rules we've put in place over our computers and our refrigerators and our conversation. But you can't plead with him. You can't reason with him. You can't scold him. And as a result, all too often, as prisoners, we give up defeated. So if the first step is to acknowledge that Mr. Hyde exists, the second step is to recognize that you cannot beat him on your own. In regard to sin, your flesh is stronger than your spirit. And so the first step to victory is giving up on ourselves. What a strange answer. But the answer is to give up our offensive, to recognize that we cannot beat him through sheer force alone, to stop trying to conjole him and reason with him, to recognize that we only have 15,000 men in our army and he has 60,000. Because it's only when we give up on ourselves that we can look for an ally. Which brings me to my final point, how we defeat Mr. Hyde. There is one significant difference between the new inner man. There's a lot of significant differences, but in in regard to this, the new inner man that we are and the old inner man that we were. And that is the power to choose who we will follow. The power to choose who we will serve. See, before I was a Christian, actually life was a lot easier. There was the inner man and the outer man, and they were in cahoots with each other. The inner man would dream up things that he wanted to do to sin, and the outer man would figure out how to make it happen. But the inner man, who no longer wants to sin, has the power to choose who will they, were ser- they will serve. See, here's the reality, my friends, that we were made to have a master. Inner man... Old man, new man, it doesn't matter. We were made to have a master. And we can choose as the inner man who will be our master. See, there's a new person on the scene. I have one more slide to show you. That there is Christ in me now, the hope of glory. See, there's the inner me and the outer me, and we tend to live life only with those two things, trying to break through on our own strength, on our own power. But guess what? There's someone new on the scene. Jesus Christ. And the battle belongs to the Lord. Look at verses 10 and 11 where it speaks of the Holy Spirit of Christ that we have put on a new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. When it's saying is in all, it's speaking of believers. It's speaking of you and me. There's someone who has taken up residence in your life, who lives in your heart. And now we have the power to choose who we will serve. Either Jesus Christ or our flesh. 
Romans 8 puts it this way, that those who are in the flesh or those who allow the flesh to be master cannot please God. But you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who also dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the outer man. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You hear that? But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so the way we put Mr. Hyde in the trunk is by putting Christ in the driver's seat of our life. See, that's how Paul can go from Romans 7, what a wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death, to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. Who gives me strength? The victory is not in myself. The victory is in Him. Who has given us not only victory over the penalty of sin at the judgment day, but gives us day to day, moment by moment, minute by minute, victory over the power of sin. See, we must serve Christ and put Him in the driver's seat for He is the only one to ever defeat sin. He lived on this earth 33 years and never once gave way to the power of sin in his life. Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus underwent the temptation and the power of sin so he could destroy it. Jesus knows what it's like to be a prisoner. Jesus went to the cross for our sin and went into the tomb experiencing the death that we should have experienced. But the tomb could not hold him. And because of the resurrection, he is the only one to overcome the power of sin. You see, my friends, the key to having a successful life is to have it lived by a successful person. The way we put Mr. Hyde in the trunk is by putting Christ in the driver's seat. When we choose to serve and obey Christ, Christ has the power to overcome our fallen mind. He has the power to overcome our reluctant will. He has the power to overcome and bring into order all of our different emotions. He has the power to bring order and victory into our life. And so we must, number one, acknowledge the existence of Mr. Hyde. Number two, recognize that Mr. Hyde is stronger than us. And finally, number three, relinquish our lives to the control of Jesus Christ. When you are tempted to sin, 
Look to Christ. Hear His voice. Surrender yourself to Him. Give up on yourself and look to Christ. What would your life look like if you did this? If moment by moment you chose to put Christ in the driver's seat, to defeat your enemies, your mind, your will, your emotions. The answer is simple. Your life would begin to look more and more like Christ's, who can give us the victory over every single enemy, those that are outside and those that are inside. See, the one thing we do have is the power to choose. Who will be my master? My outer self or Jesus Christ? But if through Christ we put to death that which belongs to the earthly, what is left is holiness and goodness and righteousness. You will have power over sin when you serve Christ over self. This is the answer you have been looking for for the victorious Christian life, the Christian life that is promised to you and me. If I had a present up here and I said, who wants this present? You probably would all say, I want it, especially if it was a million dollars. But do you know who the present would go to? It would go to the one that came up and took it. It's not enough to say I want it. You have to take it. You have to take what Christ has given to you, for he is waiting, standing by, for you to acknowledge and surrender your life and obey him. And he will begin to order your steps, moment by moment. For you will have power over sin when you serve Christ over self. This is the promise of the gospel and available for you today. Come and take it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that I'm not alone, that I'm not trapped in a body that I cannot get out of, that you are with me, O oh Christ, and that you are the victorious one that commands the wind and the waves and speaks to Satan, and he must obey, and speaks to my mind and my will and my emotions. God, help me to stop looking to myself, for I am weak, but you are strong, and the battle belongs to you. Let me, like Paul, be able to say that I too can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. For you have given me yourself, and in doing so, you have given me the power to overcome. Let us be a church that lives like this, that serves you over self. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.